Pollock trying to steer around. Picked off center. They score! Feather back over to Manny. Splits the defense. His shot. He scores! Back in his own end there was Shillington. Hard collision. BL centering feed. They score! This is Cuda Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Sharks AHL affiliate, the San Jose Barracuda. Here are your hosts, Nick Nolenberger and Joey Goldstein. All right, hello, welcome to another edition of the CUDA Confidential Podcast, the official podcast of the San Jose Barracuda, American Hockey League affiliate of the San Jose Sharks. Nick Nolenberger alongside marketing manager Joey Goldstein. The CUDA are coming off a victory in Ontario, and now they await the arrival of the Ontario Reign, who took on the San Diego Goals on Sunday and lost 4-1. to one. So Ontario has now lost five consecutive games. They have just two wins over the last 13. They had just two wins in the month of December. And both of those wins came in extra time. So it's a big time struggle right now for the LA Kings American League affiliate. This is a prideful organization that has really been, you know, one of the uh, organizations that you look to in terms of stability in the division over the first three years. They've been in the playoffs all three years, just like the Barracuda, but they have fallen on some tough times right now. Um, Just are finding, uh, you know, continued ways to, to. an inability to score goals, an inability to keep pucks out of their net. They came into uh, Saturday's game against the Barracuda, um, having averaged uh, the most goals against in the entire league. It was north of four per game, and they're not getting a lot of offense, and that's a recipe for disaster. So San Jose will welcome in Ontario. It'll be the second of three straight games against these guys as San Jose will play the rain again on Friday. Um, so another opportunity is the Barracuda return back home to kind of continue to separate themselves, at least try to get a bit of breathing room in the Pacific Division. Yeah, this team, they, you mentioned the goalie struggles. I mean, they've had a lot of different guys play between the pipes this year uh, with, with all kinds of call-offs, and it kind of trickles down starting in L.A. You get some injuries and things like that. But, uh, you know, Cal Peterson's played a bunch of games. Peter Budai's played a bunch of games. Jack Campbell's played a couple games. Um, so they're, they're kind of going back and forth, you know, trying to find, you know, what's going what's gonna to fit, what's going to kind of help them get over that hump. But, yeah, like you said, they're struggling to find the back of the net. And it's, it's unusual for an Ontario team or with this organization. Uh, usually I, I can't remember a time where they've kind of, you know, really struggled like this, even going back to days where they were in Manchester and we were playing them in Worcester it, they always had a, a tough team. They were a tough team to play against and very fundamentally sound, defensively solid team, tough to, tough to crack from an offensive standpoint. But, uh, yeah, for whatever reason this year, just uh, it's a little bit down. Yeah, I, I, haven't, I haven't watched a whole lot of them, you know, admittedly. We, we only played them three times, uh, twice on the road, so I, haven't, I really haven't seen a whole lot of them. Um, so it'll be nice to see them twice this week. Uh, Kind of get some new blood into the building, which is good. We haven't seen them in a while, um, but hopefully, uh, something that we can you know take advantage of a team while they're maybe struggling a little bit. Yeah, and this is an Ontario team that will come to SAP Center tomorrow night for the first time since opening night back on October 5th. So like you mentioned, Joey, have not seen a lot of the rain. We've seen them a couple times now over the last two weeks as San Jose is 3-0 against Ontario to start the year, 2-0 down at the Citizens Business Bank Arena. This will be the fourth matchup on Wednesday of the eight-game season series. And you mentioned one of the things, I think, with the rain that you've been able to look to as a real consistent is the goaltending position. They had sent an all-star to the, you know, a, a goaltender, rather, to the all-star 
All-Star game over their first three straight years. Peter Budai in year number one. Of course, he was the goalie of the year in the American League back in that 2015-16 season. He's getting a little bit long in the tooth at this point in his career. And then year two, it was Jack Campbell. Campbell now up with the LA Kings. He played last night in that Sharks victory um, for LA. He got the start. And then, of course, last year, Cal Peterson, and due to some injuries and con some continued injuries to Jonathan Quick, Cal Peterson has spent a majority of the season up this year with L.A., and he's been pretty good with the Kings. But when he's been down in the American Hockey League, he really hasn't found the same type of consistency we saw from him last year. I mean, he was, at times, I thought he was dominant um, for the rain. And he, you know, maybe it's because he's been up and down, and there's just, you know, some um, adjustment period, I guess, uh, for, for a young goaltender to make when you're up in the NHL, and then you've got to come back down to the American League. And are you motivated? Are, are you locked in? What, what have you? Uh, but Peterson hasn't quite been as good at home. But they have struggled in between the pipes. They've got uh, a different-looking defensive core than we've seen over the last few years. Um, a lot of new names on this team, and um, it just has not meshed in the way, I think, Ontario envisioned. But you can go back two weeks ago, we were just saying the same thing about San Diego. And all of a sudden, San Diego's in the top four, and they are absolutely rolling now are the goals. So um, things can change in a hurry, but if they're going to turn it around and and get to where they want to be, it's going to have to happen quickly. We're in 2019 already. Yeah, and I, I mean, Peterson, he was, you know, all, all things, all reports, and anytime anybody wrote about him, he was, he's the next guy in line to, he's the heir to the throne in, in L.A. as far as, you know, being a goalie goes, and it's just kind of waiting for him to, to come around. But you're right, I mean, it's, there's, there are no cakewalks in the American Hockey League, right? And there's there are no easy games. They're all tough games. Everybody will tell you that. I mean, and this team, they're they're not bad. They're sending two guys to the All Star game, um, which we'll touch on a little bit because this is the first time we've talked since uh, our All Stars were announced. We'll talk a little bit about that. But they're sending two guys as well. Uh, they got some some promising young names, at least as far as rookies go. Uh, so hopefully, it's it's uh, maybe just them taking a little bit longer to adjust to the learning curve uh, as opposed to anything else. But, you know, they're, the games aren't – they're not easy games. I mean, we saw when we won on uh, Saturday, right, Saturday. We won 2-1. to one. I mean, that, it didn't seem like it was an easy game. It was definitely a hard-fought game, a, a, a tough victory to pull out. So, um, you know, you're not going in and, yeah, they may be at the bottom of the division, but you're not going in and walking all over them. It's, it's not like that. No, it isn't at all. This is a prideful group, and it's always a competitive matchup when these two teams get together, no matter really re what the results are. You can throw out the records. There are a couple you know, intriguing prospects um, down in Ontario. Uh, Mike Amadio, who they had just gotten back on Saturday from the LA Kings. And then they've got a young defenseman, um, Kale Clegg, who also scored in the game, just a 20-year-old, who they took in the second round a couple years ago in the NHL, drafted the LA Kings. So there's some pieces there. Um, sometimes, you know, the development curve is a bit, you know, maybe they've, sharper or steeper, however you want to put it, um, for some players than others. So They've also got Daniel Brickley, too, who, I don't yep. know if you remember, uh, was a pretty highly touted uh college player last year when he was coming out to, to sign with a team and everybody was kind of vying for his services and he ended up choosing LA so he's a guy too who maybe isn't putting up as many uh as many points as they thought he he might uh but he's a guy they're kind of counting on to kind of come through and he's another one of those young guys that we were talking about so uh like I said some promising names and some promising prospects but uh just waiting for them to to come around yeah, it's gonna be. It's not gonna be easy to win these three straight games against Ontario. I don't. 
I don't care how they're, they're um, playing right now because they are struggling, but it's not going to be easy to win them. But San Jose, fortunately, will have the next couple at home, and it's a home-heavy schedule here in the month of January um, as we will not go on the road again until the end of the month when we travel out to Grand Rapids. So we've got a bit of a kind of a home-cooking scenario for the next couple of weeks, which will be nice. Um, three games over the week. We play, of course, Wednesday, Friday, and then Sunday, and Sunday is going to be Worcester Sharks Day, so it's part of our five-part throwback series honoring the affiliates of the San Jose Sharks over their history. So we've got uh, just a couple coming up now. I mean, there's only a couple left after Sunday, so we'll honor Kentucky, the Thoroughblades, which will be fun because there's a lot of alumni still in the area. You begin at a Bokoff um, will be one of them, but we've got Worcester first on Sunday, and then we'll wrap it up as the five-part water San Jose as well at the end of the year wearing those orange jerseys. So um, it seems like it's flown by. All of a sudden, we're if once we get past the Worcester, we're past the halfway point on those affiliate throwback nights, but Sunday should be fun. It'll be another Jersey giveaway for the first 4,000 fans. Yeah, and I'm, I'm biased to this one because this is yep. uh, this is hometown. hometown for me. So, and this is what the, the team that I got my start with, at least you know, working in sports. So, um, as far as you know, pulling out the the stories and some of the fun facts. I mean, I'm I got plenty of them, and obviously, it helps having Roy still part of the organization because he was in Worcester for their entire existence. So you know, he's got tons of stories and. Johnny Mack played, you know, his whole career out there before the move to San Jose, and Jimmy Bono played out there. So, lots of guys have, you know, lots lots of things to say. And we talked a little bit with Jimmy. You'll, we'll put out a video, uh, hopefully by the end of the week, uh, to kind of highlight, you know, Worcester and kind of what it was all about. And you know, we we talked with Joe Will, talks about from a hockey op standpoint uh, what it was like, and, and Roy talks about how, you know. His kids grew up there, you know, they, they went to high school out there and they were all very involved in the hockey community, so he talks about that. And then we just talked from a player standpoint with Jimmy about, you know, what it was like playing in the city and what what the fans were like. And he talks a lot about it just being a, a hardworking town and people are very passionate. Uh, so and he's got some great stories too, and, and I know you're going to highlight one of them, but there's Jimmy, our last season in in Worcester, Jimmy basically worked every job possible <laughs> aside from being the mascot and driving the Zamboni. He called games on the radio one day. He dresses the backup goalie. I mean, he's this guy's got a lot of a lot of interesting stories, and and you know, we'll make sure we share those as we go along. But uh, yeah, it's it's gonna definitely bring back some memories. But we'll have the giveaway: uh, Barkley Goodrow, Melker Carlson to um, to Worcester Sharks alumni to San Jose Barracuda alumni. Uh, now San Jose Sharks players are going to be on hand to take part in the ceremonial puck drop. Uh, so it should be good. And then obviously you got the, the giveaway jersey to go with it. So icing on the cake, get yourself another replica jersey and um, even bid on one of the game-worn or game-issued ones if you want. Yeah, and then what it's cool about this one, I think even more so than any of the others, is it's close enough. You know, it's only a couple years removed really. So you know, there's still, the stories are still fresh in the minds of a lot of these guys, as Joy mentioned. Um, hopefully, we'll be able to highlight a few of those stories with, with Bones, who, you know, it just kind of exemplifies he was the alto team player. He was going to defend his teammates from a physical standpoint, but he was willing to do whatever it took to to have some fun and enjoy um, kind of the, the lifestyle that goes along with being in the American Hockey League, especially during those times, because I think it was a little bit different back out there yeah. than it is out here when, you, when you're so close to your NHL team. It was. I mean, I mean Worcester, it was, it was a unique position. Obviously, you're, you're far away from the, the parent club. You're across the country and, and there's hours of flights and there's all that you kind of got to deal with. But as far as the location goes, I mean, Worcester was a pretty good spot for an AHL team because 
you are so close to all these other teams in your division or in the you know in your conference really I mean we were 40 minutes max from most of our team I mean we played in Providence we played in Hartford Springfield Manchester Bridgeport Albany I mean these these cities were not very far away so it was easy you know you could go and it's a, it'd be like going to Stockton and playing your games there drive down come back that same night but that also means more games to be played so there's more three games in three nights which is unheard of out here or you know four games in five days which is unheard of I mean those types of things and those we talked Jimmy will tell you if you ever ask him that's a grind on the players and, and I'm sure a guy like Johnny Mack who's still playing is pretty glad that he's not doing three and threes anymore because those are uh those can be tough but uh it was I mean it was it was good and I'll pull up some some fun facts here and some some numbers but those were uh they were kind of lean years I would say in Worcester I mean you had some times where some of the top prospects kind of came through. Joe Pavelski was there for a little bit, Logan Couture, Justin Braun, but they weren't there for a big extended period of time. And a lot of times, uh, you know, it's just you really didn't have that that true number one prospect because that was, you know, when the Sharks were kind of making their push for the playoffs. So a lot of the prospects may become uh, trade pieces, right? And it wasn't until they really came out here where they kind of said, you know, we're going we're gonna to restock and, and kind of re take another look at things and, and see how they do that so uh but you know obviously being hometown for me it's it'll be fun this weekend it will be a lot of fun that's sunday um when the uh the barracuda will have worcester sharks night as part of our throwback affiliate nights be third of our five-part series so that should be a lot of fun um you know we got some transactional news over the last yep. you know few days um for both the san jose sharks and for the san jose barracuda Often those things are intertwined, and that was certainly the case over the last couple of days. All of a sudden, the injury bug on the back end struck San Jose the Sharks first um, with injuries, obviously, to Mark Edward Vlasic, Redeem Shimmick, Justin Braun. That was uh, meant that defenseman Jake Middleton would be recalled. Of course, Mids made his NHL debut the other night in that win over the Tampa Bay Lightning. But it also affected, of course, with the Barracuda because then you're a little bit thinner on the back end and you have two injuries on the same shift as Jeremy Waugh and Zach Fry were shaken up in San Diego. So then you bring in a guy like Nolan DeYoung. He comes in for just one game to just make sure to fill the roster and, you know, round out the 8D. And so DeYoung goes back to Utah, back to the ECHL. So he played just the one game, basically on a tryout and a loan. And now San Jose, the Barracuda, recalled a couple defense in Cody Donahue and also Michael Brodzinski called up from the Orlando Solar Bears, two guys that are under contract with the Sharks. Brodzinski, of course, has been with the Barracuda the last couple of years. Um, and then Donahue was acquired this offseason in a trade with the Ottawa Senators. So a lot of moving parts in the back end, both at the American and at the NHL level. Um, and it really affects the Barracuda. So it'll be interesting on who gets in the lineup tomorrow. Yeah, we um, it was for the past couple of weeks, you know, we've talked a lot about the depth that we've had in the organization, especially defensively and how much of a luxury that's been, right? You got eight defensemen on the Sharks and the Barracuda had eight defensemen. All guys can step in a line and play in every time, play at any time. The next thing you know, in a week's time frame, that depth organization wide is kind of depleted because of injuries obviously that's a part of the game that happens but it's also nice to have that depth because then you're really not scraping you know maybe the bottom of the barrel to try and find guys to fill your lineup it's at least you know guys go down there's there's suitable you know replacements who are ready to step in and play you know luckily for us we've got 
you know, some of those guys, they may not have been on the roster all year, but we had guys in Orlando who are playing pretty well in Donahue and Brodzinski. So Brodzinski is 19 points in 34 games. He's a plus 14, which leads uh, the entire Solar Bears team. Uh, so obviously he's, he's responsible in his own end, which I think is important, especially as a defenseman. Uh, for someone like Brodzinski, that's pretty big too. He's probably known more for his offensive prowess than his defensive prowess. Uh, and then Cody Donahue is leading uh, all Solar Bears defensemen in points, goals, and assists. So uh, that's you know two guys who hopefully, and like you said, I don't know who's going to get in the lineup this weekend, but hopefully uh, these guys can kind of step in and, and, and fill in for the guys who may not be able to go. Yeah, it'll be interesting on who gets into the lineup. It's uh, good to see Brods back, though. Yeah. I mean, you know, you never know. And things can change so quickly. I'm sure in the back of Jake Middleton's head, he thought, there's no way I'm going to get a call up to the NHL, yeah. at least this year. And we'll see, you know, next year what's going to happen, obviously, with the depth. But things can change so quickly. It's never what you want to see because that yeah. probably means there's injuries. Um, but things can change quickly. And for Mids, he didn't play a lot in the debut, but I think for him it was nice to get his feet wet, get his first NHL game. What, a, what a team to have to go up against right? too in your debut. The, the hottest team in the league, yep. the best team in the league, yep. and probably the best offense in the league. You know, that's that's not an easy thing to step into, especially as a defenseman. No, it isn't. And, uh, you know, again, he didn't play a ton, but he, you know, was uh, serviceable uh, in the time. And I think uh, – with mids, we know what he's all about. We know what he's gonna he's gonna do. He's gonna hit a lot of singles. He's gonna be extremely defensively responsible. Um, he's gonna make the right play, and uh, he's gonna communicate out there. So that's always a thing I ask guys: What's the biggest adjustment when you go onto a team that you're not used to and guys you're not used to playing with? And they always say it's about the communication. And we heard it from the mic'd up. Mids is a great communicator on the ice. So mm-hmm. um, hopefully he'll get another game or two in the next, you know week or so but that's to be determined with Shimmick back in the lineup and you know guys starting to move uh, back towards the healthy healthy line so that's a good thing for the Sharks we want everybody to get healthy and so that just again will affect the Barracuda on will we get uh, Jake Middleton back in the next few days we'll see but uh, good to get him an NHL game um, quick note on that I thought was fascinating is Jake Middleton played with Alex Lintuniemi who plays for the Ontario Reign Lintuniemi and Mids played together in Ottawa with the 67s. They went in the same exact draft. Linton Yemi was a second-round pick, 60th overall. Jake Middleton was the final pick in that draft. 160 or 260 or something crazy like that. Pick before, went right before Connor McDavid. Okay, I believe so. he went 150 picks after, if I'm not mistaken, from Linton Yemi. And he just got his first NHL game. Linton Yemi has not got a game in the NHL. They were both taken by the LA Kings. So kind of just an interesting kind of connection between those two guys who played together. The fact they were taken, you know, on way different spots in the NHL draft. And for uh, Jake to get his first NHL game is just a testament the way he's worked over the last couple of years, the way he's, you know, continued to uh, compete and, and put himself in the mix to be a guy who gets called up. So um, exciting, I think, for everybody. We watch the game after. I was going to say, I heard, yep. I heard you guys were in the locker room yep. checking it out and keeping an eye on him. We finished the game up in Ontario, and then everybody wanted to watch. And obviously, Keaton wanted to see his brother. Yeah. He was pretty excited and, and jacked about that. Did uh, he, has he been to... Uh, oh, obviously he didn't play last night, but I don't know what the lineup looks like uh, for the game against Edmonton. But I assume Keaton's going to go to a game. Yeah, I think if his certainly if his brother was going to get in the lineup, he would definitely be there. And I think because it was such a quick turnaround, they didn't bring the Middleton family out there. They didn't. So fly they out are there. they are coming out for so. But they are coming for weekend, parents so. weekend as well. So yeah, I know I know for they didn't give him 
they didn't bring him out for the first game just because of how quick of a turnaround it was. But um, it was fun to see the way that Keaton, he was kind of giddy before the, you know, the game against Ontario. He was saying it was hard to kind of focus on the game at hand. Sure. Um, I asked him, uh, are you going to try to watch the game maybe in between periods? And he joked, yes, but don't tell coach. So, you know, it, that's I – mean, we all, we all have – we both have brothers, I mean – that it's got to be a, an exciting time. That yeah. Maybe more so even for Keaton than even for Jake. I mean, to see your older brother, and he said he's a guy I've looked up to uh, my entire life, and, you know, a dream come true for the entire family. So that's Especially because they're, they're kind of following similar paths, right? Both guys got drafted by an organization where, you know, it didn't really work out, and then, you know, they come in, and Jake signs an AHL deal with us. Keaton signs an AHL deal this year, and obviously Jake turned into an NHL contract. Keaton's hoping for the same thing. So they're kind of following in each other's footsteps, which is you know cool to see. And it's rare that you get two brothers that play on the same team, unless you're you know, the Sedins, yep. right? But uh, So it's, it's pretty cool. And I, Keaton, I, everybody's kind of seen when we did the nickname video, and anybody's kind of talked to him at season ticket holder parties and whatnot definitely one of the more personable guys in the locker room so it's it's nice to see him kind of support and, and back everything that his brother's going through yeah it's pretty and, cool. and Keaton mentioned that I actually asked him before the game I mean we kind of just got to talking because I wanted to ask him a few questions about Jake and making his NHL debut and I said you know was this when you saw the way that Jake uh, had found success in San Jose and the path he had taken not signing with LA you were drafted by Toronto and you didn't sign with the Maple Leafs did you think maybe I could follow the footsteps of my brother and he said yeah that's exactly what I thought I thought if my brother can do it, I think maybe I can do it. So I thought San Jose would be a perfect destination. So far, so good for Keaton. I think he's been a really good player for yeah. you know, the club as a young defenseman who's come in and kind of solidified another defensive pairing, another layer as a shutdown guy. So um, a lot of exciting stuff you know, for, for the organization. Port of pride, I think, for the entire scouting staff. I mean, really a diamond in the rough was Jake Middleton, and they hope maybe Keaton can form into that as well over the next couple of years. But, you know, I think everybody was pretty pumped. I know Roy was excited. He's had over 100, what, 150 guys go up in his mm -hmm. long tenure as the head coach of the, you know, Sharks American League affiliate. I don't think it ever gets old when you're able to see a guy yeah. make the debut. And, and Especially when guys, you know, it's it's one thing when a guy like, uh, you know, like a like Timo when he was here a couple of years ago, I mean, Everybody kind of knew that he was destined, you know, first-round pick at some point, he's destined to make that debut. But for a guy like Jake, who's really had to, you know, put in the work and, and, and earn, not that it wasn't earned by anybody, but really, really get there and, and put in the time and, and, and get everything done and do things, maybe a different path than someone like Timo or, or Banker, guys who are, you know, high draft picks, uh, really put in the work and, and see them rewarded. Obviously, it's, it's definitely a, a feel-good situation. For someone like Roy, I mean, at this point for him, it's kind of just like clockwork, I'm sure. But yeah, uh, it's you gotta love it. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting stuff for sure. So a lot of movement on the back end. Um, we mentioned the injury notes uh, uh, with the Blue Liners. Francis Broad didn't make the trip down to Southern California. Um, I would expect him probably not to play tomorrow. He, he's skating and he looks healthy and good to go at this point. But they're probably gonna hold him out for another game, and then he'll probably play Friday. So. Um, to be determined on that, but it would be nice to get him back in the lineup as well. San Jose wrapped up that three-game road trip going two and three. They picked up a victory right before the turn of the new year against Stockton. That was a barn burner six to five. They fell in San Diego um, to the goals with another close match and then um, able to pick up that win against the Ontario Reign two to one um, on the most recent outing on Saturday. So Barracuda back in action tomorrow. That's a 7 o'clock puck drop. 
Um, it's a Wednesday walk-up, so you yeah. can get $5 tickets mm -hmm. by simply just walking up to the box office, the Threat Metrics box office at SAP Center. Um, and the Barracuda are back in action on Friday. And Friday, of course, $2 beers and $1 hot dogs. And then we've got Sunday's game, which is our Worcester Sharks night. So a lot, of, a lot on tap in terms of a promotional standpoint. And the Barracuda are rolling, still sitting atop the AHL's Pacific Division. Um, and it'll be another test uh, tomorrow night against Ontario. Yeah, definitely. It'll be a you know, fun weekend. It's obviously a busy week, three games and five days or whatever it may be. But uh, it's nice to be back home. Nice to not see San Diego for a little bit because they are an absolute force of a team right now. I mean, they're 9-0, 0-1 or something in their last 10. I mean, they're, they've vaulted up to third place in the division. They're a team that I don't want to see for a little bit. I'd like to take a break from them. Uh, Troy Terry's a guy that I'm sick of watching play in the American Hockey <laughs> League. I'm ready for Anaheim to make that move and bring him up because he seems to just be a multiple point per game type player. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. But yeah, it's uh, you know it should be a fun weekend. I want to talk about though. This is like I said, this is the first podcast we've had since uh, All Stars were announced. So obviously we've got three guys heading out to Springfield. So. Yep. Let's uh, talk a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, it was announced just the other day. It was on Thursday that uh, San Jose will have three representative at, representatives at the All-Star Classic in Springfield. It will be defenseman Jake Middleton, forward Francis Perron, and goaltender Yosef Koronash. And then, of course, head coach Roy Sommer will also be the representative for the Pacific as the head coach. So a huge contingent of Barracuda yeah. players at the, the All-Star Classic. This is the first time we've ever had three people go. First time ever at three. I mean, there's not a lot of teams that have two. Yeah. let alone three, plus a coach. So it kind of shows, I think it shows off um, the how the league itself is looking at the way the Barracuda have begun the year and what type of team they are. And I mean, you couldn't hold Francis uh, Perron out. I mean, he leads the right. top team in the Western Conference in all scoring categories. Yosef Koronash has been dominant as a 20-year-old in between the pipes, nearly unbeaten, just two regulation losses on the year for Koronash. And then with Jake Middleton, I think for Roy Sommer, who's going to coach the Pacific Division, um, I think to see Middleton get the nod as well is just a testament to the way that Middleton has played and the way that uh, he impacts the Barracuda. When he was out of the lineup for a couple games uh, with uh, up, up and also with a, a bit of a nagging injury, you know, it was certainly felt when he yeah. wasn't in the lineup. So um, he's not going to be a points guy. He joked around mm. that uh, he wasn't necessarily an all-star right. type of player. But... I think we've seen him firsthand. Um, he is so impactful, what he does for this team, that um, he's certainly deserving as well to get the nod uh, for the All-Star Classic. Yeah, and it's, you know, I'm excited for all those guys. And All-Star Weekend is always a fun weekend, but it's, it's not just those three guys. I and mean, we get a lot of guys on this team who probably could have been deserving of going, you know, to sure. All-Star Weekend if it wasn't for having to have everybody, every team represented. I mean, we could have, you know, and a guy like Alexander True easily could have been an all-star. Nick Simone could have been an all-star. Kyle Wood, you know, even Antoine Bebo, they were all playing at, you know, at an all-star pace at uh, one point or another this year. Um, so it goes back to talk about the depth that we have. You know, it's, it's, it's certainly been nice. But uh, I'm excited to he obviously head out to All-Star Weekend. It's always a fun weekend uh, for me to be out there. It'll be nice to be closer to home. But... Uh, more importantly, I think it's going to be fun to watch these <laughs> these guys play. We're watching practice here, and they're doing a little tip drill in front, and VL just had the stick knock right out of his hand <laughs> uh, on a slap shot from uh, Thomas Gregoire, which is pretty funny. But, uh, yeah, no, it'll be good to go out there and, and you know watch guys compete in the skills competition. Um, I wonder what they'll put 
you know, each guy. And I wonder if maybe we may see him in hardest shot. Maybe I'm trying to like I don't I don't know what else. Uh, I think Ron may be accurate, uh, accuracy, accuracy shooting. shooting. Kind of have to. Yeah, when he's got a your great percentage shot. is that high, right? Yeah, uh, <laughs> hovering atop the league in shooting percentage yeah. all year. It'll be fun, though. I mean, I think the guys will have a uh, you know, good time with it. I haven't really gotten a chance to talk. You guys were on the road, so I haven't gotten a chance to really talk with them about it. But quickly chatting with them, they they seem excited and ready to go, and it's it's a cool experience to play with you know the best players in the league and and guys who all have pretty promising futures in the NHL someday. It's it's cool. I know we've gone in years past, uh, whether it's Troy Grosnick or Daniel Regan or Barker Goodrow, these guys, you know, they make friends real quick with uh, with some of these other players around the league and, you know, their friendships that they keep for a long time. So it'll be cool. It'll be fun to see, and, and I'm excited for those three for sure. Yeah, I don't think guys realize how cool it is until they're there, so it'll be a lot yeah. of fun. They usually come back pretty giddy and excited about how cool it was, getting to see some guys maybe they played against a junior or on the same team. So it will be fun. Excited for that. A lot, of, a lot on tap before, though. Um, so certainly we'll dive into that as we approach the All-Star Classic. But obviously we got a, we got a heavy slate of games um, prior to that point. San Jose kicking off um, the homestand on Wednesday. And it marks the first of five straight at home. Uh, San Jose will take on the rain, the heat, the Texas Stars, and Bakersfield Condors during that stretch. So um, heavy home schedule for the next couple of weeks. So it'll certainly be a important stretch for San Jose as they've been a really good home team this season and they'll try to continue that trend you want to jump in let's jump into some mailbag I know we have a couple questions from a yeah. few fans and then then we'll wrap this one up uh, on another edition of the Cuda Confidential Podcast yes yeah, so we got a couple uh first one here uh we kind of talked about a little bit it's just how do you think the Barracuda are playing right now overall what would you say from what I, I mean obviously they watch every single second yeah. of every single game so um you know, you always wonder with a young team like this, this is one of the youngest teams in the American Hockey League, is when are they going to falter? When are they going to come back down to earth? I think they've already passed that point, in my opinion. I would have thought that would have happened in the first couple of months. Well, we're already into, you know, the fourth month of the season, and there doesn't seem to be any sort of let-up. And the thing, too, is they're, you know, beating up on the teams they should, um, the Stocktons and, the, and you know, the Ontarios, um, now they've got to prove it against some of the, the top teams of the division as well, the Tucsons and, and the, now the Goals. So um, even the, the Colorado Eagles, who, who dealt them a couple losses on the road. I think this is a competitive division, but you certainly got to be excited where they're at, you know, the age and the youth and the way they've been able to come together. There are a lot of pieces um, to be excited about, about this team. So I think um, you can't ask for much more, really, where they're at. The top of the division, um, I think they're – they're maybe not as hot as they were at the start of the year, but mm-hmm. they're still finding ways to win. They're getting the strong goaltending. I mean, it's been a revolving door a bit on the back end, so to be able to pick up wins still and balance yeah. attack. Yeah, and we said that, though, right? Like, the team started so hot, and it's it's so hard to maintain that pace in, in any league, in any sport, when you're when you're rolling like that. It's, it's hard to, to maintain that. So at some point, you know, you got to kind of come back down to earth, and, and they – Kind of have a little bit, but like you said, they're still winning games. We're winning games with, you know, contributions from throughout the lineup. And at some point, we've talked about it before, where some guys may, you know, get back into a bit of a streak and kind of get things going. The power play can kind of find its groove. That streak could pick right back up again. You know, that that hot streak, that hot hand. So it is going to be a, a tough division. I mean, we said all along Tucson's going to be right there. 
San Diego looks like they're now going to be right there. And Colorado's been there for a bit too. So, you know, those top four, and even Bakersfield has been pretty pesky with some other teams in the division. So I think those those five really are, are going to stand out uh, the most. Uh, but, yeah, it's certainly um, it's nice to see. I think everything's going well so far. I can't complain halfway through the year the way things have gone. So hopefully uh, we continue to keep up this pace and, and roll it into a nice little postseason run. No doubt. And I think at the same time, too, the second half is um, as important as the first half is, the second half has a lot more weight. Oh, yeah, It's how the team plays in the second half is what's going to dictate on how far they go into the playoffs. If you remember two years ago, this was the time of year when the Barracuda went on that long, you know, 15-game point streak, Mm 14-game winning streak. Um, It started in, you know, on a road trip in January. So um, this is an important stretch where you find the real identity of your team. But I think you can't complain where they're at. Um, It's been a, you know, really great start with a lot of guys that came together and have, have meshed quickly. So... I don't think you, you can complain of the way they're playing. I think they're right on track, right where you'd want them to be. Yeah. Uh, another question here. Do you guys or would you ever uh, hold a sauce kit tournament? Do you ever see those mm-hmm. sauce kits? Yeah. That'd be That would be fun. That would be a great cool. idea. Yeah. Do Maybe, something like that. Uh, I think that'd be a cool thing. I know we... We'd have to get a bunch of them. Have to get a bunch. I don't think anybody has them here. Uh, yeah, that'd be great. I think that'd be a cool thing, maybe, you know, with some season ticket holders or you know, yeah. any of that interactive and stuff. And a little pregame event. Yeah. I always absolutely. thought about something like that, either whether it was a sauce kit tournament or a cornhole tournament. I know some teams have done that uh, prior cornhole, to games. They yeah. do a team cornhole tournament. A bubble hockey tournament would be great. I'm a big fan of bubble <laughs> hockey. I just... For anybody out there, I'm accepting all challenges. If anybody thinks they can take me down, I will gladly uh, prove you wrong. Uh, so, but th- that could be pretty cool. I mean, sauce, obviously, it's a, a little bit more skilled than I was going to say. I've been other playing games. hockey for I don't know most of my life, and I I, I don't I can't really sauce a puck. Really? <laughs> I mean, not not to like a skill level where we put oh, into yeah. a little net. I, I mean, I can kind of sauce a puck, but not like you mean you can't you can't do what Eric Carlson does. I'm not uh, saucing. Eric Carlson sauce. Oh, maybe you should work on your game a little bit. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I can't uh, do it either, so it's <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time. But uh, That'd be yeah. cool. I like that, though. I, any of that fun kind of game stuff makes it, especially during the season ticket parties, any of those sort of interactive fan stuff, it makes it funner for the fans. I think it makes it funner for the players, and that's a great idea. Yeah. Maybe we'll look into something like that. And then we got another question here uh, about Barracuda merch, which you can get uh, in the Shark store. Uh, obviously, all Barracuda games, it's there. It's there if you went on an off day. Uh, Sharks games may be a little bit more Sharks-heavy, you know, for, for good reason, because everybody's there for the Sharks that night. Uh, but you can also stop by uh, Soul for America Ice. Uh, they've got a, a good selection of some Barracuda stuff as well, some stuff that you may not be able to find at uh, the Shark store, some, some pretty cool shirts and some jackets and whatnot. Obviously, there's jerseys uh, to get as well, so... Uh, hopefully we start to see you know more and more of that as uh, as the year goes on and fingers crossed we can get some postseason merch in there as well. No doubt about it. No doubt. Yeah. And you can always not to steer away from Shark Store here at S4A, but American Hockey League website is pretty good stuff. Too, yeah, they so. got some stuff. They definitely have jerseys as well. Yeah. So lots of, and they've got all the they run their game worn uh, auctions as well. They've got some game worn all the so for those who don't know with all the specialty jerseys. Uh, specialty jerseys and alternate jerseys. Uh, the league gets one jersey from every set. Uh, they're all game worns, and uh, they they 
you know, raffle those off to raise money for, for various uh, organizations as well. So uh, if you can't get your hands on a game-worn jersey here at one of the Barracuda games, that's always a good fallback. And they've got some other stuff too. They've got signed pucks and team-signed banners and whatnot. So there's a couple different things. It's not just uh, game-worn jerseys. And I think I've seen some even some, some old-school throwback ones in the past as well with some guys who came through the AHL who are now playing the NHL. So uh, that's always an option too. Good stuff. Interesting. Good stuff. So again, reminder: this Sunday, Worcester Sharks night. Then we've got Wednesday walk up on Wednesday, Friday we've got two dollar beers, one dollar hot dogs, and then Sunday is our Worcester Sharks night. So make sure to, you know, check out the entire promotional schedule at shabarracuda.com. See what's on tap. Home heavy schedule for the next couple of weeks. So make sure to come on out to SAP Center. Joe, anything else? I think we'll put a wrap on this one. Yeah, that's kind of it. Family pack on Sunday. So family you can get, uh, come out with the whole family, get that specialty jersey, uh, get that replica jersey. You can uh, get four tickets for $34 at the ticket office with no fees. You save close to $20 on tickets there. So you can get that. Come to the game. You can sign up at the game or beforehand, but join our jersey auction. You can text Barracuda to 52182 or go to barracuda.gesture.com and join our auction. That'll start uh, right as doors open and pretty much run until the start of the third period. Bid right online for all the game-worn, game-issued uh, Worcester Sharks jerseys that we're going to have. We'll have a Barkley Goodrow jersey, a Malcolm Carlson jersey as well, so those will be pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, get that jersey, be loud, and uh, you know, come check us out as we take on some, some division rivals in Ontario and Stockton this week. And that'll be the Barclay Goodrow number 89 jersey, I would guess. No, no, 23. No, 23. So okay. in Worcester, Goody wore 23. And Melker. Okay, he oh, went to. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna test me. He, was, he wore 23 in Worcester. He wasn't in Worcester very long. Okay. Uh, but he wore 23. And Melker was more the same. I'm trying to think off the top of my head what number he wore. I want to say he wore number 15. I they were lower numbers. Those yeah. were the high numbers. Yeah, thing. I think he wore 15. The funny story about so Melker, uh, we I, we were talking with Jimmy about this uh, the other day when we spoke with him. So, the year Melker got called up, he we had we had two Swedes that year, uh, in Worcester. Melker, Carlson was one, and Petter Emanuelson was the other. And Petter came was here the first year for the Barracuda, uh, and they were they both came together. They played in the same team in Sweden together, and they were unbelievable. Actually, Petter was actually a lot better statistically than what Melker was. But they were both puck hounds. They both constantly put the puck in the back of the net. And then uh, Petter suffered an injury. I forget what it was. Some maybe might have been a shoulder injury or something. Um, but then you know he with his time out of the lineup, Melker kind of thrived and ended up getting the call to San Jose and and never really looked back. He came out of the Barracuda briefly for a couple games, but. I was more of a get your groove back type uh, reassignment than than anything else, and you know now he's a staple. I think he might be one of the only guys who's played in every game for the Sharks this year. I think so. Um, he's been a big penalty kill guy for them, and it kind of all started for him in Worcester. So it'll be cool to see uh, see those guys in their in their Worcester jerseys uh, again on Sunday. But uh, yeah, it'll cool. Be good. Sunday is a 3 o'clock start. Just a reminder to fans that it is a 3 o'clock start. 3 o'clock, doors open at 2. Doors open at Get 2. Get in line early. We can't stress it enough. With giveaways, the lines are always a little bit longer. So make sure you get here early. Get, uh, get in line so you can get in here. Get inside and, and, and watch the game because 
Uh, obviously, you know, we don't want you to miss anything. Season ticket holders, you guys have your own entry point, uh, but still, lines will form with the giveaway, so, so get here as early as you can. And Wednesday and Friday, we will have broadcast coverage on KDOW. You can listen live right at the top of the hour with no pregame coverage. So that's both 7 o'clock starts. And then on Sunday, we'll have broadcast coverage kicking off at 2.30. So we'll have a full 30-minute pregame show prior to puck drop against the Heat on Sunday. So it should be a fun week. A couple games against the rain. And then Ontario uh, will head out of town and San Jose will welcome in the Stockton Heat on Sunday. Joe, I think that's it. We'll wrap this one up. Another edition of uh, our CUDA Confidential Podcast. I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in. And we'll talk to you all next week. See you. Five plus five, not a rocket science. This daytime, that's hard to find.